The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Jesus, please don't let the world's dance distract us from you and your kingdom. In the Garden of Eden, you came looking for Adam 
and Eve. Lord, would you please come looking for us. Come look for us and come look for your church and redeem us finally, fully, completely. Pour out your Holy Spirit that we could do your work. Lord, the storm is upon us. How can we survive? Lord Jesus, I trust in you alone. I ask, please, quicken the words of this broadcast. Enlarge my heart and my understanding and move with your Holy Spirit in the heart of each person. Lord, it's not my intention to make people afraid, but to show each of us a way of escape. Would you come and bless this broadcast today and deal with the cynicism and the anger and the hurt. Deal with the unbelief, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, the storm is upon us. And will will we survive? I face the reality that few people come to church because they're afraid of the COVID-19. I face the reality of how do I pay the rent for the house? It has the studio... And also the church meets in the house. How do I pay the rent? How do I how do I pay my utilities? The electric, the water. How do I pay for this broadcast? Everything seems to be coming unglued. And now This pastor in Kentucky, Dana Coverstone, is saying God is telling him that a much worse time is coming in September and October, November, December. How do we survive? How do you survive? Millions of people across this nation are at the point where they're going to be foreclosed on in their homes if something doesn't change. Some families are saying they don't have enough money to buy food for their family or their children. Cars are being repossessed. People are behind and see no possibility of catching up. And then when we begin to see and hear about the crops loss the tremendously high level of heat coming across the West and Midwest. How do we survive the famine that's coming upon America? What do we do? I can't grow food where I live. I don't have any way to 
to produce food for myself. I depend on the the food chain to bring food to the grocery store. So, what are you going to do about food? Now, some of you, by God's blessing, you're still working, and I'm very grateful that you're still working. And I'm very grateful for those of you who are sacrificing to cover the cost of radio. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I know it's because God prompts you to do so. And some of you are just nonchalantly going along because you've got your job and you've got your family and or you've got your retirement money and it's still coming to you and you don't think it's going to stop. You don't think the storm's a big deal. Believe me, the storm that is breaking upon us right now is a huge deal. We're facing war with China and it could very easily be a nuclear war. Peace deal made with Israel? Looks like it's fulfilling the prophecy of the end times. We're facing the collapse of the dollar. Perhaps three-fourths of the value will disappear in the next 60 days. How are you going to survive? Don't go back on this, well, I'll make it through some way. Are you aware that during the 1929 crash of the stock market and the subsequent depression, they estimate about 7 million people in America died of starvation? Have you ever seen the pictures? My mother was not really a part of that, but my father was right in the middle of it, and my grandma was right in the middle of it, and they used to tell me stories about the Great Depression and how desperately poor and hungry they were. Can you survive? Well, I don't want to simply ask the question, but I want to go with you to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And I want to tell you today, my house rent is going to be paid. And I know how. This radio broadcast is going to be paid for. And I know how. How, Pastor? It's going to be paid for by Jesus as he opens the way for his church and for the radio broadcast as he moves in people's hearts I know it will be paid for. Why? Because I've heard from Jesus. And because I trust him. And because I'm at rest in Jesus. 
He is my hiding place. He is everything to me. Now, who is Jesus? Well, if you look at the Gospel of John, the first chapter, you look at Colossians, the first chapter, and you look at Hebrews, the first chapter, it'll tell you who Jesus is. And the question comes, will you believe in this Jesus? Now, I'll tell you what the issue is that, I, that I'm struggling to deal with today. We know the theology. We've, all of us have read the scriptures. The question is, do you trust Jesus? I see people terrified who call themselves Christians. They're terrified of the COVID-19. They think they're going to get the virus and they're going to die. Where's their trust in Jesus? Has Jesus said to you anything? I see people wearing masks and isolating and doing all of these things, recognizing that much of it is social propaganda. Do you trust Jesus? And then some people say, oh, pastor, we're not supposed to test Jesus. No, I don't mean to test him. I mean to rely on him. Am I testing Jesus because I say to you, I am absolutely clear and trusting that Jesus will pay for this radio broadcast, that he'll move in many of your hearts to donate and the broadcast will be covered. I am trusting in Jesus absolutely to pay the rent for the house I live in and the utilities and to buy food not just for me, but for the body of Christ, for the church. Am I testing God because I say, I believe, I know he has said to me, he will do this. He has said to me, wait upon me and I will carry you. The Lord will carry you through. Has he said that to you? Have you been in a place where the Lord has spoken to you and said, the storm is upon us, but I will carry you through. Do you believe that? Well, in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, let me read. You need to hear it straight from the word of God. This is the Apostle Paul. Chapter 10, verse 1, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, 
God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Is God pleased with you, or in this storm that has come upon us, will you die? Now, many of you have come to the video, and you have watched yesterday's broadcast. It's not enough to watch the broadcast. Have you an arrangement with Jesus that he will carry you through? Or do you have to hide and isolate and stop doing the work of the gospel? Do you have to be frightened? Do you have to worry about your job and and whether you're going to have the money to pay for your family? Are you afraid that you might not be able to provide for your family? Then you have not heard from God, and you're in trouble. Listen. Most of their bodies were scattered over the desert. Even though they drank from the rock, Jesus, they ate from his body, the manna. They had the word of God preached to them. They saw the physical signs of a mighty God in the pillar of fire by night and the air conditioning cloud by day. Now these things occurred, verse 6, as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. What is an idolater? a person who puts something, anything, money, security, they put it ahead of Jesus and they trust in something in the world and not in Jesus. They're idolaters. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan rivalries. Revelries. What would that be? Dancing, partying, all kinds of things. Uncleanness. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. In other words, if you don't trust in the Lord, it opens the door for you to find escapes from the pressure. And the pressure is only going to increase as we move forward into September. And the call of the Lord for September is to gather with the body of Christ to pray, to cry aloud to him, not to isolate in your home, but to gather with the body of Christ. And if you don't have a body of Christ that's functioning, then go find a body of Christ that knows how to pray and will search after Jesus and will cry aloud for America and for our president and against the spirit of this world, the spirit of this age, anarchy, bitterness, robbery, murder, mayhem, 
He says, We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Well, how did they test? They asked the question, Where's the Lord? Why isn't the Lord delivering us? We're in trouble. We've got to do something. We better return to Egypt because God's not here. The real testing of God is unbelief. The real testing of God is not stepping out in faith. The real test of God is going it on your own and trying to make your own plan and do your own thing. The real testing of God that makes him very angry is when we turn and grumble against him and create something for ourselves that is not his will, either relationships, jobs. Look, were the disciples safe in the boat in the midst of that storm? They thought they were going to drown. Jesus was in the stern of that boat, the back, on a cushion, sound asleep because he was tired. They woke him up and they said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? He said, oh, you have little faith. And he stood up and stilled the waves. Jesus can stop this storm. He's in charge. Now, remember, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, God allowed the first plagues to also fall on the children of Israel. Why did he do that? because he needed them to be sufficiently miserable in the world that they wanted to go to the promised land. And they were miserable. And they did then want to get out of town. And Moses led them out with mighty miracles of God. So, yes, as Christians, we may face some terrible times but frankly, those terrible times are meant by God to make us sufficiently unhappy with this world that all we desire is the world to come. And if you're going to survive this storm, you're going to have to look to Jesus and put your confidence and your trust in him. You're going to have to turn your televisions off. You're going to have to move away from your internet. You're going to have to leave behind all of the entertainment of the world and the movies of the world, and you're going to have to go headlong into a full commitment to Jesus Christ, asking him to rescue you from this destruction. That's why September is so important for us to be in prayer. And we may need to give more than one day a week to prayer. And if we do, we'll do that. If we need to, we'll give five days a week for prayer. We've got to come together and pray. And we've got to earnestly search after Jesus. And we have to hear from him that he's going to carry us through this storm, that we're going to survive because of his power, not our own. Am I making sense to you? He says... In verse 10, and do not grumble as some of them did, and they were killed by the destroying angels. 
Are you grumbling? Are you complaining about what's happening? We're not going back to normal. I know we all have this normal bias, thinking that everything is going to go back to normal. It's not ever going back to normal. We are on a countdown for eternity. We have to get ready to go to heaven. We have to get ready to meet Jesus. These things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Some of you are going to fall if you're not very careful in this storm. And you're going to be destroyed. You're going to die. Or you'll be homeless. You'll be hungry. Some of you are going to be in very serious trouble. Because you don't know how to hear from God and you're not willing to do the work necessary to draw near to God. The word says draw near to him to draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Well, what do you have to do to draw near to God? First three Beatitudes. Humble your heart before God. Repent of every known sin. Confess and repent and turn away from them. Establish places of abiding with Jesus a weekly fast day, a day-by-day reading of the Word of God at a set time, turning off the noise of our culture and getting serious about Jesus so that you're like Him and can walk like Him. There are things you need to do. God is waiting for you to press into him. Now some of you are laid back and relaxed and say, I'm okay, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. Are you sure? If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. So the Lord is saying to us, Look, It's not what you say that's going to save you. It's how you walk it out. It's clear the children of Israel wanted to mix the table of demons with the table of the Lord. But what's the table of demons? The world, the flesh, the cravings of our flesh, the bitterness of our hearts, anger, strife. 
not loving one another? Who are you loving these days? I mean, who are you doing acts of kindness for? Who are you seeking the best interest of? How are you helping? The law and the prophets are fulfilled by loving one another, sacrificing our time and energy and money to help one another. Who are you doing that for? Who do you care enough about to sacrifice your time and energy and money to lift them up and encourage them? Is there anyone you care that much about? Or do you want everything coming your way? He continues, judge for yourselves what I say. And I'm going to say that to you now. You are not going to make it through the storm that is breaking over America unless you are willing to find a hiding place in Jesus Christ. We're going to be talking about that this week. Where is that hiding place for you? Are you willing to give up the idea that everything is fine and you're going to make it and you're saved and everything is going to work out just the way it's supposed to work out? No, it won't. You have to work it out with God. You have to work it out with Jesus. You have to hear plainly from him what he wants from you. The time has passed when we can simply ask Jesus to bless us, bless us, bless us. Now the question is, how am I to bless Jesus? And one of the ways you can bless Jesus is by moving away from the table of demons and asking him, what can I do for you? Jesus, what can I do for you? What can I do for you, Jesus? Listen. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Because is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? There's only one loaf. Who are many? Are we one body? We all partake of the same loaf. We partake of Jesus. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean that a sacrifice offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifice of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? 
I hope you're hearing what I'm saying to you today. It is necessary for us to find a hiding place in the midst of this storm. Where is your hiding place? Is your hiding place in the hope that your job will continue? Is your hope in the security of your family that you will not get COVID-19? Is your hope in the mask, the diaper that we're all supposed to wear? Is your hope in medicine? Where is your hope? I want to tell you plainly, my hope is in Jesus alone. I've been saying over and over, and I played the song all last week, Jesus, only Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus. That's where my hope is. Let me be specific. My hope for the rent for the house I live in is in Jesus. The hope for my utilities is in Jesus. My hope for this radio broadcast is in Jesus. I have no hope outside of Jesus. My hope is not in in you, even though I love you. And I'm grateful for the way you respond to the call of Jesus to give. But my hope is not in you. You give as the Holy Spirit prompts you to give, as he calls you to give. And I'm grateful. But please hear what I'm saying. If the Holy Spirit didn't prompt you to give, this radio broadcast would be off the air. My hope is not in you. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is not in my little church. My hope is in Jesus. My hope for my health is in Jesus. I have no hope outside of my Lord. It's Jesus. Only Jesus. One church began printing signs, political signs, and they're going viral for out in your front yard, uh, red and blue. On the top it says, 2020. Below it says, Jesus. Our only hope is Jesus. Our hope is not in Donald Trump or Joe Biden or any other politician. Our hope is in Jesus. Now, that's why I have to stop and ask you, where is your hope for your house payment? Is it in your job? That you'll be able to keep your job? Is your hope for the food that you need to eat in the grocery stores? Is your hope for your car that it won't be repoed? Is that hope in 
some family member or someone who will give you money? Your job? Where is your hope? Be honest with me, please. I want you to survive this storm that is breaking now over America. And my question is, how are you going to survive? I'm going to survive. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to prosper during this storm. How do I know? because my hope is in Jesus. I don't have any hope other than Jesus. He's my health. He's my house. He's my car. He's this radio ministry. He's the church. Jesus is everything to me. I have no hope outside of Jesus. And to me, the church are the people who gather in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, in the spirit of Jesus. And their only hope is in Jesus. And as we're in that church, we love one another. We don't judge one another. We don't criticize one another. We don't feel superior. We humble our hearts. And we trust in Jesus. Jesus only. Now, that brings me to Colossians. See if I can turn quickly to it. I want to read for you who this Jesus is that I'm saying I've put my confidence in. This is Colossians, the first chapter. Verse 13 and on. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, that is Jesus and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Now it's speaking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. That is, he is identical. The firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created. It was Jesus at the creation in the beginning God created Jesus is the creator God things in heaven that is he created all of the starry host everything that's visible and everything that's invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things were created by him and for him He is before all things. In other words, Jesus has always existed. There's never been a time when Jesus was not. He wasn't called by the name Jesus. I don't know what name he was called by. 
Jesus is the term of redemption. He named himself because he came to save us from our sins. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now we can become confused about who Jesus is because he became a man, fully man and fully God. And so the Bible speaks about God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, that is, in him as the Redeemer. Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus offered himself as the atoning sacrifice, but he was still fully God. Once you were alienated, this is verse 21, from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is who Jesus is. Now, I want to go back to another place in the scriptures. The book of John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the word. Now, the word here is logos. It means the creative idea behind all that we see in the physical realm. He's saying, in the beginning was this creative power. It was Jesus who created the world. And then he says, and the word was with God and the word was God. This Logos is God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that's been made. In him was life. He owns life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, or the darkness has not been able to overcome it. Please hear this. The darkness of the storm that is upon us cannot overcome your confidence in Jesus if you will look to Jesus Christ. He will be your rent. He will be your mortgage. He will be your car payment. He will be everything you need. And if in his wisdom he sees that you need to leave your house, he'll provide you a place to go. If you need to lose your car, 
because you went out and bought it in your own pride, in your own arrogance. He will take care of you if you will repent. See, most of us have gone out and we've done many different things in our flesh to provide for ourselves. And the Lord God of heaven may have to strip all of that Egyptian stuff off us so that we will come to our senses and begin to cry out to Jesus and recognize that he alone is God, that he alone stands in eternity. He alone is our atoning sacrifice. The important thing is not what happens here to you or to me. The important thing is what happens in the coming world, the kingdom of God. Are you willing to trust your life today to Jesus, only Jesus? Are you willing to lift your hands before the throne of God and say, I don't have to have my house or my car. I don't have to have my job. I need you, Jesus, and I know you will supply all I need. Can you say that today? Will you confess how you have hunkered down in your own fear? And now you will trust Jesus. Will you put your confidence in the creator of heaven and earth and not in the demonic powers that are bringing about the fullness of this storm that is crashing upon America? That's why we were called to pray in September. Remember the disciples, Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. We're going to have to pray or we will enter into temptation and we will die in this storm. We pray because our faith has to rise up. Our confidence in Jesus has to rise up. We've got to be able to say, Jesus, I trust you. I am fully in your camp. I am going with you. In the name of Jesus, I am with you. Will you do that? Well, let's pray. Lord, you became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen your glory the glory of the one and only. We know you came from the Father full of grace and truth. Lord, today we need to make a very clear commitment that we will receive only from your hand what you choose to give us. And I ask, Lord, that you would cause us now to give up our normalcy bias, to stop thinking that everything's going to work out fine and go on our casual American lifestyle way. I ask, Lord, that in this crashing storm upon America and upon the world, that we would repent of our love of darkness, we would repent of our lack of faith and our lack of belief. 
Lord, the children of Israel were not able to enter into the promised land because they would not believe you. They would not trust you. Lord, I know many listening to this broadcast need to come up to faith and say, Lord, I will receive only from your hand what you choose to give me. I will not go out on my own. I will not grab and growl and try to survive. I will trust you, Jesus. You are my food. You are my water. You are my job. You are my church. You are this broadcast. You are my everything, Jesus. Lord, brothers and sisters need to rise up right now and lift their hands before you and say, Jesus, only Jesus. Nothing else will do. I can't make it through this crashing storm without your deliverance, Jesus. I ask, O Holy Spirit, would you call your church to pray? Will, will you call the unbelievers to leave behind their grumbling and their anger and their cynicism and their robbing and stealing, their progressive, leftist, Marxist, communist agenda? Lord, Will you call us out of this? Almighty God, I ask that you would give every person listening to this broadcast right now the courage to lift their hands and say, I will trust you, Jesus. I put all of my confidence in you, Jesus. There is no one else that I can trust. I put my weight fully upon your promises, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I glorify your name. I magnify your name. You are the one and only, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too hard for you. You provided food in the desert. You split the rock and provided water for the children of Israel. Would you do even less for us? No. You are our provision. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I pray you made that covenant before the Lord that you would receive from his hand only what he chooses to give you. Did you make that covenant? And will you pray until you hear clearly from Jesus that he will carry you? You need to hear from Jesus. And I've opened this broadcast today with this prayer 
Lord, please don't let the world's dance distract me, distract us. But come and look for us. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, you can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Click on the upper right-hand side of the menu, top of the page, on the Donate button, and you can give online. And I want to thank several of you who have just given in the last couple days. Thank you so much. August is quickly winding out. We need to be ready to pay Weva their full amount. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I trust you've made the covenant with Jesus. I'll talk to you soon. Bless you.